1: Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/recommend today.
2: Money. Jason Fitz is so kind to join us every Monday. Money. Yahoo Sports football host, Fox Sports radio host. Love mentioning that he's also won a Grammy. It means he's more talented than most of us. You can follow him on X at Jason Fitz. Fitzie, what's up, brother? Man, I'm living that dream. How are you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. I got my, uh, I got, I got a little bit fuller load. Although Brad Carson is certainly helping me carry it. John Martin is off on jury duty today, Jason Fitz. So we don't.
0: Man, we... Yeah, can I, can I be honest? I've always wanted jury duty. I've always wanted, like, I want to sit on some massive, major, like, murder trial and the trial of the century. I want to be part of that, man. Like, I'm jealous of that. Like, I just, like, my luck. If I ever get jury duty, it'll be on a traffic ticket. You know, but man. I want one of those law and order cases where I can be the guy that walks in. I'm like, yeah,
2: but so, no way. So God, to, I want that. To your point, I had a close friend um, growing up who ended up being on a jury that had to decide a murder case and then the, I think the death penalty for this guy afterwards. And um, – I always was fascinated, you know, as a reporter background, whatever else, I always wanted to ask him questions about the case. Just, man, you had to decide you had this guy's life in your hand everything else, and, uh, you know, a murder case and everything else that we're reading about in the newspapers and everything else. But he wouldn't talk about it. And I guess that, you know, that duty that you're not, you know, you, you, you don't discuss this, he just would not ever... I couldn't pry him open, and I and I kind of I, I for some weird reason, as much as I it got under my skin, he wouldn't talk about it. I respected it. I respected it. He had left it all there, um, you know, and I guess it, you know, having been sequestered, and all that was told not to talk about it, whatever else. I know jurors all the time. You go these exposés, you go back years later and talk to those jurors, but he kept his mouth shut, you know, about you know the service, uh, civic duty he had performed, and. Uh, some part of me always respected that, but I don't know, Fitzy. I don't know about being on a murder case, man. Some of those things can get pretty grisly. Um, I, yeah,
0: but I'd be, I'd be like Toby in the office. I'd
2: be walking and be like, "So
0: strangler case? I was on it. Let's go." That would be me in a heartbeat.
2: Let me ask you this: most impressive performance of the weekend for you, team-wise in the NFL? I mean, Baltimore was outstanding against a pretty good Seattle team, at least that's where I've got Seattle right now, just pretty good, not a, not a contender. KC defensively against Miami, what we saw from Burrow against Buffalo or, or Philly, just finding a way, even being outgained against Dallas, just most impressive thing you saw team-wise. There were some great individual performance, but team-wise over the weekend.
0: Uh, Cincinnati. And I think, look, we, this is where we just got to throw the records out and acknowledge that whatever Cincinnati does every year when they start slow – Like, let's never fall for it again, let's never be Charlie Brown again. The way Cincinnati plays right now and they're making it look easy. Now, Buffalo is a shell of themselves. Like the fact that the Buffalo running they kept saying last night on the broadcast, well, you know, they're really gonna use Josh Allen as their running back. That that that's not okay. If that team sucked, then everybody would be like, Why are they relying on him? But everybody gives this big benefit of the doubt to the master plan. Well, The master plan is one-dimensional, and the one-dimension is one-dimensional because even throwing the ball, they don't seem to have any plan other than let's force the ball to Stephon Diggs. So, like, what are you supposed to do if Stephon Diggs is taken away by a good defensive coordinator? Lou uh, Amaro, I can never say Lou with the Bengals has turned out to be that, right? So, you know, I I think that there's some element of what we learned in that game was that the Bengals are very good and that the Bills are wildly one-dimensional. So, I I think the most impressive performance by far – the Bengals, Joe Burrow, the way that defense yep. played for them too, like, whew, I was, I was stunned.
2: No, this is this is Joe Burrow now healthy, running around, looking super cool. Uh, this is a Joe Burrow that you feel like, you know, you get behind and and you can possibly make a Super Bowl run with him. I, I agree with you completely uh, on KC and that win over the Dolphins over in Germany, twenty one fourteen. Do you come away from that, Fitzy? You know, uh, first off, proud, asking more questions about that offense, or do you come away from it going? Wow, I mean, that defense is winning them games right now. And offensively, like Mahomes said, they'll get that figured out.
0: Will they, though? Like, I, I think this is where I get a little bit weirded out by the fact that, like, how? My follow up question is how are you going to figure out that you got a bunch of guys that just aren't good enough for the wide receiver position? So, like, this concept that the, the Chiefs are just going to figure it out offensively, I, I think we're allowed to look at it and say whatever past performance does not always indicate future results. Like, am I going to bet against Patrick Mahomes for one game or Andy Reid for one game? No, not stupid. But the other side of it is, are we allowed to have some nuance to whether or not the chiefs are really elite right now? I mean, their defense has played really, really well. Like I, I, I want to take nothing away from Kansas City's defense and Spagnola's done a beautiful job there. Right. But the, the other side of it is the offense looks out of sync. I mean, right now I'm not sure opponents across the league aren't necessarily afraid of taking on this Chiefs offense. You're, ta- you're afraid of taking on Mahomes, but you ain't afraid of taking on that offense. Like, right now, neutral field, I would take Baltimore over Kansas City. I'd take uh, Cincinnati over Kansas City. You know, so I-, I think Kansas City's still incredibly good. That That's fact, but... Man, that offense isn't right, and I don't know what's going to make it right anytime soon.
2: Yeah, I, I guess I just want to give the benefit of the doubt to Andy Reid, and the, you know the 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 fact that you were you know doing it with guys like McKinnon at the end of the year last year. But you're right. I mean, you start going through the names, and some of these you know uh, 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 some of these guys you know you question whether or not they should even be in the NFL. So uh, I get it, and I get those concerns. What about Miami and its its inability to win against the true contenders this year? They've lost the Bills, the Eagles, and the Chiefs.
0: Doesn't that have to mean something? Like, it, it, it not might. only are they, here's a but here's the wildest part about it. Let, so let's look at two of those losses, the Eagles and the Chiefs, both of those games. They were not even competitive for all, like, six minutes of the game. Yeah. And both of those games ended up being close because for those six minutes, they're really good. So, like, it's, it's frustrating to me because I think where the, the Dolphins are, and I texted Mike Goldick Jr. Uh, as we were watching the games, and I said, hey, what's the fair take on the Dolphins? Because I think we're all going to overreact and just say, well, the Dolphins suck. They don't suck. They're a playoff team. They look like a playoff team. They're a very good team. But are they in the same reign as, as, range as the rest of them? No. And, and I, I think it's fair right now to say I don't trust the Dolphins to win a big game because we haven't seen them do it. And that's okay. Like It's okay to have two things be true at once. That offense can score on you from anywhere, anytime, and it's a delight. And then all of a sudden, good defenses have found a way to make it disappear a little bit. So, you know, I, I was stunned that they were so irrelevant for the first half of that game and also frustrated by the end that the game seemed as close as it did. That's what's maddening about Miami. But I don't trust him at all.
2: Is it possible to feel better about Dak Prescott, right? And the, the the I guess the the notion that he is the guy, you know, for the Cowboys after a loss like last night? Because I I know he you know, there are a couple of mistakes. You you step out of bounds. Um but for the most part, Fitzy in, a, in you know, in a, in a what was a great game, I thought, he played really well. Um, just where are you at on Dak Prescott and the Cowboys after that loss to the Eagles?
0: Yeah, I I think the the blame that we're putting on Dak is sorta of ridiculous. Like okay. think about the fact that they they never should have even like I've I've seen several people talking about that last throw they never should have even been in position for that last. Like 90 yards and 50 seconds doesn't happen without an implosion from the Eagles. And this is what's interesting. And Kevin DeGandhi tweeted this out last night. You know, he's a huge lifelong diehard Eagles fan. And he tweeted out, this is what makes this team great for sports talk radio is that they're winning. So you can't really say anything about it, but they don't look like themselves in doing it. So you can't just be comfortable that they're winning. We saw that more. We saw more of that. Like mistakes that uh, don't need to happen seem to plague the Eagles. They they have their own self-inflicted wounds week in and week out. So they're finding a way to win, giving a ton of credit for that. But when you look at the other side of it, I think the Eagles have uh, or the Cowboys, I should say, have unlocked some important things. The uh, CD is absolutely uncoverable at this point. Now, do I love the decision to throw to anybody other than CD on fourth down? Probably not. But was he double covered? Yeah. So. I think the the blame that we're giving Dak right now is just because people are frustrated that Dak hasn't won more and people are forgetting how hard it is to win a Super Bowl. Like, How many teams right now would give anything to have Dak as their quarterback? I think the answer is a lot higher than people realize.
2: No, I think you're right. Um, more impressive individually, what C.J. Stroud did, and that's as impressive as, as as we've seen from a rookie quarterback. The 470 passing yards broke Andrew Luck's record, and then he does it in a win. He does it, you know, that needing a touchdown down 45 seconds goes straight down the field with all the poise in the world of a veteran quarterback. Or what Joshua Dobbs did for Minnesota, not having any practice and then going in there and getting them a win.
0: I mean, I, I think – C.J. E. Stroud, by the way,
2: is putting himself in Stud. the MVP
0: category Stud. right now. Not Rookie of the Year. I hear you. He's putting himself in the MVP category. And, and think about Houston sitting at 4-4. Four and four. Yep. Like, they're one game out of the playoffs. And so, crazy. you know, frankly, I hate doing this to Bryce Young, but this is going to happen. Like, this is inevitable. It is. You have to compare the fact that C.J. Stroud was there and available. And Bryce Young looks fine. But C.J. Stroud is doing things we've never seen a rookie quarterback yep. do. So. You know, every single team right now has got to be looking at themselves saying, why did we not? Try? And, and frankly, we talked about it on this show before the draft. Like, what were we, what did C.J. Stroud not show the world that people wanted to see? So I, I'm not, I'm stunned that he's playing this well because he is a rookie, but I'm not so stunned he's having success. And if you're the Texans right now, you are the model. Because remember, uh, it wasn't that long ago that was, why would any coach want this job given the way they've treated particularly minority candidates and the way that they've fired everybody? Why would anybody want that? D'Amico did, and now all of a sudden D'Amico looks like the coach of the year. C.J. Stroud looks like the rookie of the year, maybe the MVP. Uh, Young guys are being elevated because their quarterback is just – light years beyond where any quarterback at his point should be. And the Texans are clearly in the playoff. hunt. Like, th- this is the great white hope for everybody when you're sitting there saying, I know what we can do. We can try and be like the Texans. You're going to press the reset button every year. You want to find your own D'Amico and CJ. This is, it's, it's, it's stunning to watch.
1: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
2: Absolutely it is. All right, Will Levis, uh, we have not talked to you since he had that phenomenal debut. We've seen a couple of games now. Does throw that game-sealing pick against the Steelers, that 2016 loss on Thursday. But what have you thought now of his first two starts uh, for the Tennessee Titans?
0: Uh, Like, this is going to be shocking to a lot of people, but I think the game against the Steelers was was even better and more important. Like, going into that game, the one thing I said is he can't look lost, he can't look confused, it can't be too big for him, and the Steelers disguise what they're doing so incredibly well. I really looked at it and thought, hey, let's see if he can avoid disaster. And, frankly, you know, late in the game, a turnover when there's basically no shot, I'm not going to hold that against the quarterback. Like, I thought the fact that he found the blitz so often, think about this, Even the AI on Amazon was struggling to identify which person was coming sometimes in the broadcast, and Will Levis wasn't. And then his ability to stand in the pocket and sidearm the ball around people that were coming at him to find the right outlet. like He looked wildly in control, which I think is so important, so key for a young quarterback. If if I'm the Titans right now, I don't care about anything else the rest of the season. Let's see if Will Levis can keep building on this. I thought after one game it would be interesting to see what happened on a short week, short opportunity to prep, what would he look like against the Steelers? And even talking to some of the Steelers players afterwards, players were even saying, yeah, it was impressive watching the young kid go out there and do what he did. So I, I, I genuinely believe that Will Levis has shown enough to get the starting job for the rest of the season no matter what happens. And right now the only evaluation that matters for the Titans is, do you have your franchise quarterback? And the great thing is now you get the mini-buy, you get like a longer week to prep. That also means teams get a longer week to prep for him in some situations. So like they have more time to – so their advanced scouts are sitting there getting more and more time to, to break down what they've seen from him. So I really believe that every week is a test to show, hey – I'm getting more information, and I can, I can handle that information. I can also handle the teams are throwing at me. I, uh, Will Levis is putting this Titans season in a much different perspective.
2: Yeah, um, He has been impressive. I, I, uh, he's kind of at least raised my eyebrows and made me, made me even look in the mirror and say, okay, maybe I was wrong on this guy. Um, moving over to college football, Nick Saban, obviously, uh, Crimson Tide make a statement. Uh, beat LSU forty-two twenty-eight, and Jalen Milrow looks fantastic in doing so. Just uh, I'll put it to you this way: my partner has prophesized that Alabama will win the rest of its regular season games, go to the uh, SEC title game, and beat Georgia. Uh, what are the chances that that happens? You think?
0: Uh, well, here's the thing: I mean, uh, I I have said so many times that Alabama was left for dead, and I've been wrong every single time. Now, I do think that game probably turns out a little different if Daniels doesn't uh, get knocked out of the game. Agreed. For sure. But but at the same time, let's just be clear. Like, Alabama just took on the best offense they're going to take on all year long, and they still came out of that game with a win. And, you know, LSU doesn't play any – I don't even know. Like, LSU makes USC look like the 85 Bears at this point. They play so little defense. But I still think that watching Milro develop throughout the course of the season and then just seeing how good he's getting, if I'm the rest of the SEC, I'm scared. That being said, Georgia – like, And Georgia only plays about, you know, one out of every six quarters like they (laughs) care, and they're still undefeated. So I I think maybe the demise of Georgia is a little bit overrated right now. I think Georgia right now is just sort of on cruise control, waiting to care until they absolutely have to. I'm not going to bet that Alabama can beat Georgia, but I I am sitting here now for the first time saying, man, considering where the college football playoff committee ranked them and the way they won that game, I think the playoffs are directly there in front of Alabama. They absolutely control their own destiny.
2: I'm just curious because they're, they're local here. We've got a bunch of Ole Miss fans uh, in Memphis. What do you think? Uh, well, I think the last I looked, the line was 10 and a half. Just a uh, chance. You get Lane, any chance going to going to Georgia this week?
0: No, I I, I would love it though. I mean, I, I look, what, hey, chaos, what Lane has done. Yeah. Has, yeah, I know, but what Lane has done has been really incredible. And, I think the fact that Ole Miss has become so consistent in where they are, like mm-hmm. they are a top 15 program in the country. That's pretty, it's pretty remarkable given where they are, the expectations and what I've thought of Lane Kiffin for most of his head coaching career. I think Lane Kiffin has grown up a lot in the last three years in front of us. And now what we're seeing is a much different version of this coach. Now, uh, Eli Drinkwitz in Missouri was able to stay with Georgia for half. Everybody can. The question is what happens in the second half. I do trust Lane Kiffin's adjustments. I would love to see a world where Georgia goes down because I think it creates total chaos. I just don't think Ole Miss has the horses on the defensive side of the ball to be able to do that. So we'll see, but, you know, right now I'm, I'm, I'm still leaning. Like, this feels like every other game for Georgia. It's a tie at the half. Georgia's up by seven going into the fourth, and then somehow they win by eight, like 17.
2: And then I'm, I'm curious, just where are you at on this Michigan story? And I've made the case to my partner that, you know, Harbaugh doesn't care about rules and he's broken them before and that you shouldn't wait uh, and punish a Michigan team that, you know, that, that he's no longer coaching potentially uh, in, in, in years to come. You should do it now. Where, where are you at on sort of, you know, whether or not they've, uh, you know, they've benefited from the, the, the sign-stealing saga and all that and, and, and whether or not Harbaugh should be punished?
0: Yeah, I think Harbaugh's been flippant with his breaking of the rules. He just doesn't care, which makes me wonder if he's got another kid coming, right? Like, Mm -hmm. this just feels like at the end of the year, Harbaugh's going to be like, you know what, I don't want to deal with the NCAA anymore. They're not fair to me. He's going to play the victim, and then he's going to gaslight everybody while he goes and gets an NFL job. It feels like that's the right path that makes sense. I don't know that the sign-stealing thing makes a massive difference, but here's the thing. Even if everybody's doing it, everybody's not doing it as brazen as Michigan is. And if everybody was – like, okay, if Ohio State hired a investi- private investigator to find all this out, you think Michigan didn't go out the day that report came out hired their own private investigators? So, like, I, I just feel like Michigan fans want to make this a small deal, but the thing I would say to Michigan fans is if it was Ryan Day or Nick Saban, would you also be willing to make it a big deal? And the other part, like, I know everybody says, don't punish the kids, don't punish the kids. You have to. At some point, if you do not punish the kids that are currently playing, then essentially you send the message to Every single team, go out and do what you want to do. The punishment will come way down the road. Like, if they have findings that this has happened right now, A, I think the college football playoff committee was soft in saying they weren't going to factor it in. They're only going to factor in the football. This impacts the football. If sign-stealing has been proven that it's being done, then it impacts the actual product on the field. So if you're allowed to consider whether or not a backup quarterback was brought in in the fourth quarter, you should sure as hell be able to allow to consider whether or not sign-stealing made a difference to the team. And then above and beyond all that, if the NCAA doesn't come down with the thunder of the gods, then every kid can just enter the transport portal, a new coach will come in, and they'll say, well, we don't want to punish these guys. They have nothing to do with it. Everybody just keeps cheating. Like, there, there is no no fail-safe system. You simply need to come down on everybody if this is sure.
2: I can't tell you how much I was – I mean, it wasn't going to go anywhere, but I've been pulling for Purdue and every sorry team they've played just to sort of – but uh, they've sort of used it. It feels like they – oh, y'all think this is the reason we've been winning? They're just at punishing these bad teams. I just, want them, I just want Michigan to play somebody finally, you know, so we can figure it out yeah, on the uh, field.
0: Uh, well, and that's the big thing about Michigan-Ohio State. Like, yeah. think about this. In a few weeks, on Thanksgiving Day, the Lions play, and then the day after Penn State takes on Michigan State, who's awful this year. But then the Saturday after that, you get Ohio State-Michigan – at Michigan, like it just feels like if you're in Michigan uh, Thanksgiving weekend, you are winning the sports lottery.
2: Yep, no question about it. Fitz, we appreciate you, brother. Have a great week. Appreciate you. Have a great week. Yep, he is Jason Fitz. Uh, you can read him at Yahoo Sports. Listen to him on Fox Sports Radio. Listen to
0: every MLB game live. In the
2: deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone.
0: Stream minor league affiliates.
2: The Midwest League home run
0: leader.